Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S's, a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, the DPI points leader crashes with just minutes to go. The IMSA State of the Sport Address sets the stage for the 2023 season. And a champion is crowned as we review all the news coming out of the IMSA Fastlane Sports Car Weekend at Road America. Buckle up, because you're about to go off in the S's. Well, one of the biggest pieces of news heading into last weekend's race at Road America was not even necessarily the race. It was the IMSA State of the Sport Address that takes place every year, and they had it on Friday. And among many of the question marks that we had surrounding some of the series, some of the schedule that we had going into into next year, uh, there were some really notable items to go over here. And the first one being the schedule. So the 12 race schedule that IMSA announced looks similar to those of years past, with the exception, of course, that Mid-Ohio is not on the calendar as well, and surprisingly so, Detroit not on the calendar for 2023 either. Um, The addition of the Indy Road Course was, of course, previously announced. It's not that IMSA isn't going up to Detroit at all next year. The Michelin Pilot Challenge will be making a trip there to support IndyCar on the new downtown race course. Um, And IMSA President John Doonan did also mention that they do intend for the WeatherTech Championship to return to Detroit in 2024. It is understood that there are some conflicting calendars with the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Of course, we talked about that in earlier this season in the uh, the prep show for Detroit. So it's understood that that played into it a bit here and uh, they just opted to forego the WeatherTech Championship going to Detroit but the Michelin Pilot Challenge will be there for a grand sport only race so we'll talk about that a little bit more Um, Also of note in terms of scheduling, uh, Chicago was not formally announced yet on any of the series calendars. So there's still going to be some more news to come out uh, regarding that. And we're going to cover all of the schedule news as all of the schedules were announced on next week's show. So make sure that you are subscribed if you are not already so you don't miss that episode. IMSA also came out and announced the finalist for the Diversity. Diverse Driver Scholarship. Of course, you'll recall last year's winner, Jaden Conright, races right now for NTE Sport in the GTD class. Uh, they unfortunately have had to miss a, a few races, but good to see that Jaden is up and running with the WeatherTech Championship crew. Um, the finalists for this year's Diverse Driver Scholarship are Sebastian Carrazzo, 24 years old, races in Super Trofeo Series right now. We have Saber Cook, 
She's 27. She races in the W Series. I believe she is currently injured right now and unable to race this season. We have Courtney Crone. She's 21. She races in the IMSA Prototype Challenge. We have Bryson Liu. He's 19. Races in Super Trofeo as well. Kyle Lowe is 23 and the Formula Pro USA and also races in Formula 3 West. Cameron Parsons is 34 years old, races in Trans Am. And then there's Brad Perez, who is 25 years old and races in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Full article, The full article that outlines the entire driver background can be found down in the show notes. More clarification also came out regarding IMSA's bronze driver mandate for GTD that Sports Car 365 had reported was going to be brought in for next season. IMSA did announce that they will not move forward with that proposal to mandate a, a bronze driver in the GTD class. This came after competitor feedback. Instead, the series shifted gears slightly. They have opted to enhance the bronze driver experience by continuing with the Bob Aitken Bronze Cup for GTD that awards the champion in that uh, the Bob Aitken Cup with an entry to the following year's 24 Hours of Le Mans. The Bronze Cup will also now have their own podium celebrations as well as it will be elevated to a proper championship in IMSA. To go along with this, they will also add a dedicated 30 minutes of track time for bronze drivers, as well as additional incentives regarding qualifying format and drive time that will be announced at a later date. Also announced during the IMSA State of the Sport, and you could kind of feel that this is going to be coming for uh, a little while now, they announced the IMSA Esports Global Championship, which is going to be dedicated to pro sim racers and teams. It's going to kick off right after the end of the uh, the IMSA season. Um, it's going to be taking place on iRacing and, uh, and provide everyone with some virtual content here as we go into the off season it was a pretty big success with the uh with the iRacing series that IMSA had during the uh the COVID-19 pandemic where they brought in drivers from the series who were unable to race to race on uh, on iRacing it was great to watch so that's going to be broadcast on iRacing and race spot YouTube Facebook as well as Twitch and it's going to consist of GT3 and TCR machinery in a multi-class format so the four races that they are going to be competing at are Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta on October 16th, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca on October 23rd. It's going to be an off week in there. Then they're going to go to Indy Road Course on November 6th. Uh, and they're going to wrap it all up with there's not many tracks that are more iconic in IMSA than Daytona on November 20th. Each one of these races is going to be two hours and 40 minutes long. And to wrap up the IMSA news, the County of Monterey Board of Supervisors on Tuesday, last Tuesday, they voted to approve the project budget for the replacement of the start-finish line bridge and the resurfacing of WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. 
So uh, work is expected to begin in November and be complete in time for the race in 2023. And a small tidbit of GTP news, the final customer team for IMSA for the Porsche 963 GTP has been decided according to Porsche Motorsport North America President and CEO Volker Holzmeier. Uh, he confirmed to SportsCar365 that um, Porsche has decided the customer team that they're going to go with, and it is uh, up to the customer team now to decide when they are going to make that announcement. Of course, there's lots of things that can often come into play with these sorts of announcements, such as securing sponsorship, uh, potentially confirming drivers who may be bringing sponsorship money with them. Uh, so there's still lots of pieces to fall into play there, it's believed, for the uh, for the team. But it has been decided. It's just a matter of time now before we learn who that team is. And a couple of small pre-race notes here. In GTD, Inception Racing is not on the grid again for Road America and will also not be present at VIR. They are aiming to be back, though, for the season-ending Motul Petit Le Mans. They've, of course, previously missed rounds at CTMP, Lime Rock Park, and, of course, now Road America. And it really just came down to their schedule. They realized that it was a little bit too ambitious. Uh, they were trying to run three championships at once, um, and in order to successfully race in the FIA World Endurance Championship and the Fanatec GT World Challenge Europe, something needed to budge, and ultimately it was the IMSA Sprint Cup um, that, that they opted to, to pull back a little bit from. They did also say that they intend to run the Sprint Cup again next year alongside one other series to keep their schedule more manageable. And just before the race got underway, well, the morning before anyways, uh, IMSA announced a last-minute adjustment to the minimum drive times for or the Road America race. The minimum drive time for LMP2, LMP3, GTD Pro, and GTD were all reduced from their normal 60 minutes, which uh, 60 minutes for LMP2 or 45 minutes for the rest of the categories. Uh, they reduced all of them to 30 minutes for those four categories. The minimum drive time of 10 minutes for DPI it remained unchanged, but this move was made proactively. With the forecast uh, of storms in the area and uncertain weather on Sunday, IMSA looked at it, and they didn't really want to have a repeat of the Glen, I think, where... Um, you remember nine cars were moved to the back of the class when they didn't meet minimum drive time as a result of the thunderstorm that went through towards uh, the end of that race. So IMSA making a good proactive move here, in my opinion. I liked the announcement. Just set the table for the team so they know what to expect. And ultimately, we'll talk about it. Uh, we won't actually we won't talk about it, which is great. Um, because it, it didn't really come into play that much in, in race strategy that, that I could see. So, um, it, it just a good overall move by IMSA. And hopefully this is something that they, uh, they take a more proactive move like this going forward. Finally, let's get into some of the on-track action this weekend. And looking at the practice sessions, not really much significant, uh, not nothing of significance to come out of these ones. There was a lengthy red flag in practice two, as the turn one curbing was actually breaking apart, uh, which did require track repairs. But other than that, there were no significant offs, no significant damage to report. Uh, so we're going to jump right on in to qualifying. 
and in qualifying, Acura really continued their great pace that they showed in practice. They carried that through into qualifying, and they rode that pace to a pole position for Felipe Albuquerque in the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Acura. He reeled off a 148.915 second lap time to get pole by just under two tenths over Alex Lynn in the 0-2 Cadillac. The number 60 Meyershank Racing Acura of Tom Bloomquist will start the race in third. Meanwhile, in LMP2, it was Stephen Thomas in his number 11 PR1 Matheson Motorsports Orica that led the field there with a 154.137. He edged out Patrick Kelly in the sister number 53 entry by just over one-tenth. And in LMP3, it was Malthe Jakobsen in the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsport Ligier. He posted a 159.434 to get that team's first ever pole in IMSA competition. He was very, very quick. In fact, he was over seven tenths of a second ahead of the number 36 Andretti Autosport Ligier of Jared Andretti, who starts in second place. And in GTD Pro, it was Jack Hawksworth who claimed the top honors there with a 205.365. He edged out the Faf Porsche by just over two and a half tenths and continued what would go on to be a very strong weekend for those Lexus cars. Robbie Foley put his Turner Motorsport BMW on pole in GTD, and he beat out the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus of Frankie Montecalvo by a tenth and a half. Make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting app to never miss an episode. You can also interact with us on Twitter or on YouTube at OffInTheSs. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Well, we've talked about weather conditions going into this race at Road America, and they lived up to it. The race started in mixed conditions, with half of the track reported to be wet. The damp conditions uh, that would start this race, they would last for the duration of the race, of varying degrees here. A portion of it was wet enough to call for the wet weather tires, but I would say it was split about 50-50 between those wets and the dries. Uh, It wasn't until 20 minutes into the race that we would see problems, the first problems of the uh, IMSA Fastlane sports car weekend here, with the number 25 BMW Team RLL entry appearing to uh, to lose power and essentially come to a stop on the track um you could hear the you could hear the driver just crank i believe it was Connor Di Filippi um just trying to crank the car over get it going again um just he was unable to do so for a minute but then just before it seemed like uh, the cars were coming back around and Imza would be throwing the full course yellow, managed to fire up that car and uh, and get it back around to the pits, thankfully. However, you couldn't avoid that full course yellow for long as just moments later, after, like I said, a really clean start to this race, the, uh, the rain started to pick up and the number 11 LMP2 entry that was driven by Stephen Thomas, well, it goes for a spin. And while trying to get it back going, it wasn't the initial spin that caused the problem here. He tried to get it back going and he flick spin, flick spun it around. And when he did that, the rear tires ended up leaving the paved runoff area. 
and they got stuck in the gravel that he was right on the edge of. It's kind of one of those embarrassing moments. Um, so he got stuck in the gravel. It led to the first full course yellow of the race. And this full course yellow came out at really an awkward time here. As we were about 20 minutes into this race here, you'll recall that minimum drive time was about 30 minutes, or it wasn't about 30 minutes, it was 30 minutes. Um, so pretty much by the time that cars were coming down pit road here, that 30 minute minimum drive time had passed and almost all of the teams take advantage of this and uh, they get their driver change complete early here. There were also major strategy decisions that needed to be made under this full course yellow because as I mentioned a moment ago, the rain was starting to pick up and the, um, uh, the, the IMSA TV guys actually joked. They, they were saying, um, that the prototypes and the GT cars, they were looking at different weather radars here because almost all of the prototypes, the DPIs, LMP2s, the LMP3s, almost all of them opted for slick tires, except for a couple, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and then on the GT side of things, almost all of them opted for wet weather tires. So interesting split decisions here. Um, also under this full course yellow, the Meyer Shank Racing Acura, which is running last in class. They, don't don't forget, they're leading the championship points at this point. They undergo massive adjustments to that car uh, on pit road here. It was reported that the initial wet setup that they had fitted onto the car had not been taken off at the beginning of the race. Um, so they made, they, they replaced the entire rear wing portion of this car. So there was a rear wing adjustment essentially made there. Um, and then they were also going to work on front suspension components believed to be uh, ride height. Uh, adjustments that were going on. They would make a couple of trips down pit road and ultimately make all the repairs that were needed there to get that car back out and running. Green flag would fly with an hour and 50 minutes to go and there would be spray coming off all the tires almost immediately off the green flag get-go. The Mustang Sampling Cadillac was the only DPI that opted to put on wet tires on the pit stop, and within two laps, they were running away with this one. At one point over the course of this stint, they had built up a minute gap to P2, and they were about to lap the sixth place DPI car at the time. The rest of the DPI runners were all on slick tires, and it was actually quite comical at one one point because they were being passed by I just remember this in my head I have a, a, an image of this fused into my head where the 74 Riley Motorsports uh, LMP3 pass was passing these DPIs and I was just looking at this like what the heck is going on you know we didn't know that uh, that they were on wets at the time and I'm like how is an LMP3 passing a DPI here but yeah sure enough they had the wet tires uh, fitted so pretty funny to see them uh, them do that but lots of these DPIs had to actually come in and box for the wet weather tires. Fortunately for them though, about 20 minutes after they went back green, there was a full course yellow again 
for Debris in Canada Corner, and this came out with an hour and 27 minutes to go. At this point, it looked to be that the worst of the wet weather racing was behind us, and every one of the teams opted to go back onto the slick tires. On the ensuing restart, this really led to some great battles that began to emerge with for, uh, for the lead in all classes. As a matter of fact, um, all classes maintained uh, a maximum gap of three seconds. That was the biggest gap between the leader and second place cars amongst any of the classes. And the battle was particularly good in DPI with the top four runners all being within three seconds of one another. And then there was also GTD Pro who had the three podium runners at the time. They were all nose to tail, all within a second of one another. There was some great racing that went on. Um, and with just under an hour to go in the race, we would start to see more strategy emerge here as the final GT pit stops started to take place. However, a wrench would be thrown into that as just a few minutes after these pit stops began, the third full course yellow of the day would be thrown for the pole sitting number 33 Sean Creech Motorsport LMP3 at the time driven by Malta Jakobsen and the number 36 Andretti Autosport entry of Gabby Chavez who crashed while running second and third in that LMP3 class. Chavez got wide running in P2, um, caught some of the grass on the exit of what I believe was turn six and spun across the track into the path of Malfe. Uh, he had to take avoiding action as a result of the spin to avoid T-boning that Andretti Autosport entry and uh, in doing so got off track himself and went into the barriers. I wouldn't say super hard but it was enough to end their day. The full course yellow that ensued would lead to a restart with just 30 minutes to go in the race and there was again some great action off of this restart as well. In GTD it was a bit of a rough and tough going here um, with the number 96 of Bill Oberlin and the number 12 of Aaron Tielitz, they were really going at it into turn five in the uh, the laps after the restart. One lap, Bill puts a bump and run on Aaron, and then the following lap, Aaron, he, he really just ran over Bill going into, uh, into turn five, went up the inside of that BMW, um, and really just didn't, just kind of drove into the side of him going into the corner. This resulted in Bill Oberlin spinning around, didn't collect any other cars, thankfully, and he was able to continue, but um, just thought it was a little bit unnecessary. IMSA didn't agree with my point of view as they ultimately ruled that there was no further action needed, um, but it was, a li I, I don't know, I didn't, I thought it was a little bit more than just, you know, like rough and tough racing. I I, I was surprised that there wasn't a penalty that, uh, that came out of this one. As the DPI started hitting traffic, though, a lead change took place as Felipe Albuquerque used the GTD traffic to his advantage and he would get past Ollie Jarvis, who led off the restart in turn eight with just 25 minutes to go in the race. The story of navigating traffic and... All of that would take, it would, that was the main focus over the next 15 minutes here with, uh, with 
Albuquerque being able to build out a bit of a lead, but then having it reeled in. It, meanwhile, Earl Bamber was charging really hard towards the front. And with 10 minutes to go, really most of the classes had yet to be decided. The lead had just changed place in LMP2. And then meanwhile, the GTD and the DPI leaders, they were battling it out. And it really came down to... The GTD leaders and the DPI leaders kind of met in the same area of track. And again, traffic came into play. The result of it, unfortunately, for Ollie Jarvis, uh, he potentially had his entry into the kink uh, compromised. What ended up happening is um, he got around uh, GTD traffic. I believe it was the Rick Ware Racing Acura. It's kind of ironic with Ollie being in an Acura himself. Um, it, it just compromised his entry a little bit, which in turn compromised his exit. He got wide out of the kink, went into the dirt, and lost control of it at that point. He spun across the track, going into the inside retaining wall hard. Debris was thrown everywhere across the track, and it brought out the full course yellow that the race would end under with just eight minutes to go. Felipe Albuquerque was leading at the time and he would take the win in that number 10 Wayne Taylor, Taylor racing Acura with teammate Ricky Taylor. Surprisingly, Ollie Jarvis would limp that Acura across the line in fourth place despite the heavy damage. He All four wheels were still on the car and he was able to drive it around under full course yellow conditions. Um, the 0-2 of Earl Bamber and Alex Lynn who were charging very hard at the end when that full course yellow came out. They would end up just short in second place with their teammates Sebastian Borde and Renga van der Zander wrapping up that DPI podium. In LMP2 it was a Rate, late race pass by Ryan Dalziel in the number 18 era motorsports entry along with teammate Dwight Merriman that would take the win over the number 8 tower autosports entry of John Ferrano and Luis Delatraz. This pass for the win in that class took place about two minutes or the lap before the full course yellow came out and the podium would be wrapped up by the number 20 high class racing Orica of Dennis Anderson and Fabio Scherer. Gar Robinson and Felipe Fraga would take the win in LMP3 with their number 74 Ligier. Uh, in second place, the AWA, the number 13 Duquesne of Matt Bell and Ore Fadani. They finished second to pick up their first podium finish in the series, so a big congratulations to them. And the number 54 Core Autosport entry of Colin Brown and John Bennett completed the LMP3 podium. In GTD Pro, it was Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnacote in the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus who took their first GTD Pro win after a race long battle with Faf and Corvette who finished second and third in class respectively. And in GTD it was finally that number 58 Windward Racing Mercedes who pulled out their first class victory since the 2021 Rolex 24. Philippe Ellis and Russell Ward took the win in what was a very competitive race and after losing out at the Glen to the drive time infraction and Lime Rock Park with the fuel pump failure on the last lap, it was nice to see them pull out a victory here finally. Jeff Westfall and Robert McGuinness in the number 39 Carbon with Peregrine Racing Lamborghini 
would go on uh, to cap off a very strong weekend for them with a second place finish. And then wrapping up the podium was the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus of Aaron Thielitz, who of course we just talked about, and uh, Frankie Montecalvo. A couple of post-race notes to go over here. Wayne Taylor Racing, this was their first Road America victory. Um, surprising to hear that one. With Lexus's GTD Pro victory, that now means that four of the five full-season manufacturers have won at least one race this year. And Windward Racing said post-race that they do intend to compete once again in 2023 IMSA season with their Mercedes. And a quick track note, Road America is set to be resurfaced this year. This is the last race on the current uh, asphalt and uh, there are no configuration changes to be done just a fresh repave so when we come back next year we can expect um, these cars to be even faster all right let's run down those championship standings now coming out of road america in dpi it is number 10 konica minalta acura that takes over the championship points lead they lead by 19 points over the number 60 meyer shank racing entry and with this it does confirm that an acura will win the full season championship here uh, as as long as one of those one of those teams starts Petit Le Mans, there's only one race left for them on the calendar that one of them will wrap up those, that uh, that victory. In LMP2, it is a close battle between the 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry, who have 1,659 points. They lead by just 19 points over that number 8 Tower Motorsports entry, and 52 points over the number 18 Orica. In LMP3 here, things look to be wrapping themselves up as the number 54 Core Autosport entry, has uh, 1,716 points. They lead by 83 points over the winners from last weekend, the Riley Motorsports Ligier. Um, and then the JR3 number 30 entry has 1,600 points. They are 116 points back. GTD Pro is wrapping itself up as well at the top as that number 9 Faf Motorsports Porsche Seemingly dominant at times this season. They have 2,793 points. Uh, they lead the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus by 227 points. But that second place battle is not over yet as uh, there's just a 10 point gap between the Vassar Sullivan Lexus and the number three Corvette Racing entry. They still have two races remaining in their season. And in GTD, it is still up in the air as well with the number 32 Gilbert Korthoff Motorsports entry leading the way with 2,329 points. They lead by 36 points over the number 16 Wright Motorsports Porsche and 44 points over the number 27 Heart of Racing Aston Martin. These teams as well also have two races to go in their full season schedule. And then finally, let's also congratulate... Paul Miller Racing and that number one BMW for wrapping up the Sprint Cup GTD points championship here. Uh, they wrap that up despite there being a round remaining at VIR. 
technically they haven't wrapped it up yet, but all they have to do is just start the race at VIR to get the points needed to clinch that championship. So a big congratulations to them. They beat out the uh, number 27 Heart of Racing Aston Martin and the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus. This was really a focus for Paul Miller Racing this year after they missed the Rolex 24 at Daytona for not actually having the, their brand new BMW uh, M4 GT3 on site yet. Um, they they really shifted their focus towards this Sprint Cup. So glad to see them pull out uh, essentially their goal for the season. There's not too much racing that's going on this weekend either, as we got Formula E that's going on in Seoul, South Korea, uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. This is at 3 a.m. Eastern time, so in, I guess if you want to pull a late night or a really early morning, you can stay up and watch that. Um, we also have some NASCAR Truck Series racing at Richmond. It's the second race of their playoffs, the Worldwide Express 250 for Carrier Appreciation. That goes Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And then on Sunday, the Cup Series is also there with them for the Federated Auto Parts 400, and that goes at 3 p.m. Eastern time. That will wrap up our IMSA Fastlane Sports Car Weekend at Road America recap episode. We'll be back next week to dive into the 2023 schedule. A big thank you again to our, all of our early Patreon supporters. And if you too want to support the show, then you can go to patreon.com slash off in the S's. You can also support the show by hitting that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcasting app to never miss a new episode and by leaving us a review. You can follow along with us on Twitter or on YouTube at Off in the S's. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go Off in the S's.